Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sports Joe presents the GAA Hour. Hello and welcome back to the GAR. My name is Lee Costello and I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, Niall McIntyre. We hope you've had a really good Christmas and a happy new year. But it's back to porridge, back to normality. And normality for us, Niall, is sitting here on a Monday talking about the GAA at the weekend. Is there anywhere you'd rather be? Uh, definitely not, Lee. Uh, it's it's great to be back. Uh, I haven't seen you in a, a good, I'd say, it could be nearly a month and a half. You yeah. had you had uh, you were a bit <laughs> sick there before the Christmas, weren't you? So yeah, I, everyone caught a dose of something, and then um, I caught a dose of the paints after that. You know, over Christmas, so that can happen. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself. Speaking of not seeing things, though, the big game at the weekend <laughs> was Glenn v Kilmacall Crokes, and um, it was maybe the best game I've never seen. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I was getting such a headache watching the match, yeah. like when you were delighted when the ball comes over to this side of the field because you can see what's happening. Um, and when it's on the far side, you're literally guessing. Like I remember for Hugh Kenny's goal uh, coming up, what, five minutes to go, yeah. all you can hear is the TG Carr commentator, uh, Brian Tears, he just lets out a roar and you know it's in the net. It was the yeah. same for the Shane Walsh goal five minutes later. Yeah. That was the only way you knew it was a goal, which was kind of exciting in a way, like, but yeah. you'd prefer to be able to see it. Like, No, I definitely would have preferred to have seen it. Like, I mean, and it gets to the point, like, <clears throat> in a more serious point, like, should the game not have been played when you have a game of that importance and even commercial value? Because, like, <clears throat> there's so much narrative around the match, obviously, playing <clears throat> Kilmacrooks, the final last year, the 16 players, all of that. Um, everyone was so excited for this. We had to wait a year to get the replay, you know. Should should they have tried to hold off and find a way to, to squeeze it in differently? It probably shouldn't have been played, like, you know, yeah. like because um Robbie Brennan said it afterwards, he couldn't see what was going on at the far side of the field. Michael Warnock said himself and yeah. Shane Walsh that was probably the most unbelievable quote of the day that Shane Walsh said to him, um, Do you have any idea where the ball is? Like and yeah. the two boys were marking each other and Michael Warnock said that. He said that you weren't sure what side the ball was coming from. Like so that um that completely changes the game. But it was just one of those days, Lee, like uh, I was watching some of the horse racing in, in, in Nace and the first race was on yesterday and the commentator just stopped commentating because he couldn't see what was happening. Like, and <laughs> What do you say? What do you talk about? There was betting and running in, in Paddy Power and the favourite was in a, a 1 to 100 to win the race. Like, And like you'd wonder where this was coming from like because... You, you don't really know, like nobody can see what's yeah. happening. And then the horse come up to the finish and that horse is in fourth place, like a good bit behind. <laughs> like, So that was called off after one race. Yeah. Um, there was obviously a few hurling matches called off. Cork and Limerick 
was called off. Galway and Offaly went ahead for about 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you could play a hurling match. I know it was different in different places all over the country, yeah. but whatever about football, how uh, could you play hurling? Yeah, like? just, just guessing. Like, I mean, I, I couldn't play it regardless, <laughs> but um, all credit to the players, though, because it was the, the standard was still unbelievable and it was such an entertaining game for the parts that you could see and even the parts you couldn't see you just knew um you know players were still doing all the right things especially glenn they, they really came out uh swinging right from the start they looked like men on a mission danny talon scored three points in just the first nine minutes his first point where he dropped the shoulder little dummy and then kicked it over the bar it was sort of shades of do you remember his goal, goal last year? You know, beat the first man. You know, he has that sort of in his locker. But what I think is really great about Danny is that it must have been 10 minutes later, Shane Horn had the ball and he was sort of bending his run and he was in uh, the Glen box at this stage. And the man nearest him getting the near hand in was Danny Talon, number 14 on his back, you know. And I know that's very common nowadays, uh, <coughs> the full forward. Everyone tracks back and stuff. But it just got me thinking, and this is I know this is a little bit of a say point, but to me, Danny is like the perfect Mickey Hart kind of player. He loves forwards who get back, who who don't have a lot of like airs and graces about them. You know, get the job done, hits the freeze, takes the shots when they're on, and does all the hard work back. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Mickey Hart was be on the phone to Danny in in the coming weeks. I actually thought that he'd be kind of more of a you know a skillful forward that yeah. would stay up, but he's well, obviously he has that in his locker. Mm. Like I, I um I was talking to Enda Gormley, <clears> who he a famous player from Glen, won the All Ireland with Derry. Um, and coached a lot of them boys at underage and he said not the problem with Danny but he said he's just too honest sometimes Do you know he, he he sees a runner and he just has to go after him or whatever but he does have that sort of relaxed sort of Jimmy Clark kind of aura style about him you know where, where everything looks very easy for him you know so you maybe have a mixed perception of him but I, I honestly think that like when you see if you watch Danny in a match then you see the whole game you know what he's doing sort of tells you what Glenn's doing if that makes sense. And I just thought it was interesting because he obviously opted out of the dairy panel for whatever reasons. Um, but with Mickey Hart in charge and just knowing the, the kind of style of football that Mickey Hart likes, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, gives him a call. But um, yeah, they, Glenn were flying, Danny was flying and it could have been even better for them, although at the cost of Jack Doherty when Brian Sheehy sort of a high tackle. How would you describe yeah, it? He, he cleaned him out of it. Like it was, yeah. um, <clears throat> it was, it was probably more out of just it was clumsiness more mm. so than intent, but it was a definite red card. Like when yeah. when you see it, um, so. and he was he was lucky to he was lucky to stay on the field after that. Um, it was it was a Jack Doherty kind of came down on his knee and then he had to go off and he was kind of limping off. So I'm not sure if it was a leg injury. I think it probably was the way he was limping off. So between him and Malik O'Rourke mentioned that Ryan Dugan got injured in, in the second half. Mm-hmm. So they'll be too, like, you know, it's only two weeks, like if it's a hamstring or whatever yeah. it is, um, they'll be two lads that they'll be mad to get back because they're such key players for, for Glenn. But, um, yeah, as you said, I suppose Glenn looked nervous in the first two or three a minutes, A couple of minutes, yeah, and, yeah. And, and there were two points down and then they just completely took over, like, to yeah. be five points up and well-deserving of it. Kilmacud were, were completely out of the game like yeah. from what you could see no they definitely were um, and sort of last year Glenn were obviously missing Kieran McFall who the year previous was definitely their best player and you nearly didn't notice the difference because they did so well they won Ulster they reached the All-Ireland final and you know they, they ran Kilmacroaks right to the end um, but now that he's back you, you can see what he brings and the difference in terms did you see the bit and it, 
I'm saying that loosely because no one could see anything. But Paul Mannion was on the sideline. Um, Ryan Dugan, I think, uh, Connor Glass were sort of tackling him and they, they get him over the sideline, they win the ball and they win the free. And Keir McVall, who wasn't even involved in that, comes straight over, gives Mannion a good shoulder barge and a roar in the face. And he just sort of brings that kind of like intensity, that bit of nastiness, you know. Um, he's like, he's almost like their enforcer. Big time. He when he scored his point as well, yeah, he was running was out and he that. let a roar at Roy O'Carroll. I think was across from. You could see how fired up he was, yeah. and I I suppose a lot of that probably is to do with the fact that he missed um, last year. Like you know, he that would have been he he missed the All Ireland final. Like yeah. um, that his club were playing it. So I'd say he's like uh, you know he he'd be very fired up for this year, and he's also such a brilliant player as well. Like he can he can kick points from anywhere, and. Then he used to play centre or wing forward sometimes for Derry, like. But well, he was corner forward for Derry this year. Corner forward, yeah. Um, but you, he's centre back. He's so yeah. he can just he's such an engine as well that he can mm-hmm. completely dominate the game, like. Um, and like what a player to like bring like to give you a boost, just, just to add to your squad. Like it's nearly yeah. like a signing, like someone yeah. like t- you talk about Shane Walsh coming to kill McCord. Like, yeah. that's how big he is for them, like, and uh, they definitely needed him, like. No, there's no doubt about it. And then shortly after that, Connor Glass got a point, and it really felt like Glenn's leaders were standing up, you know, and they, they were going to take this game to kill McCud. Um, Back to that end of Gormley conversation I had with him, like I say, he, he coached a lot of them boys at underage, and he always made the point that they're brilliant at driving their own standards. You know, and and they're really strict at it. And he said, if you were to go in and take a training session, and they didn't think it was good enough, they wouldn't be long and telling you and telling you that we really need to push this on here now. And you could see that, you know, with the sort of leadership and the players. You know, it's not just one guy has to stand up like you know Danny early on, and then Kieran McFall, and Glass gets that point at the end. Um, they just have that sort of what's the word like a collection of them. Bradley as well. Emma Bradley, he, he, he was unbelievable. He stood up early on when they were struggling, and he mm-hmm. kicked that brilliant score off the left it was one of their first ones and it was so similar to the one the winner he kicked against Nave Connell earlier in the year um, he's just such a big game player I think there's kind of a, there's, an, there's, a, there's a desire about Glenn this year Lee and I, I nearly felt there was kind of a inevitability that they were going to win mm-hmm. there was just something there's, I, I, there's, there's unfinished business for them and yeah. I suppose as well as kind of I just you just felt that they were they were a team that are are on a mission and you can clearly see it in them and you mentioned it to me earlier as well like even after the game they were calm like you know they yeah. were there wasn't this wasn't the big the big target like the, mm. the big target is to win um next weekend and you could see that in their play even though it obviously got a bit panicky there towards the end of the game oh it did yeah and we'll get to that because at half time you know things were looking rosy uh croaks me Two substitutes, they took off Sheehy and Luke Ward, both hooked at halftime and Keane O'Connor came on and I thought he really helped make the difference and that sort of coincided with, as you mentioned, Ryan Dugan's injury. He came off in the 39th minute and them two things sort of started to see things sort of change. Um, Eunan Mulholland, I don't know if you remember this, he was sort of through and he kicked it over the bar to put them seven clear and like that does seem like the obvious thing to do. But Danny Tallon was in the corner screaming for it. And if you see the camera angle from behind the goal, Ethan Doherty was behind him pointing, you know, square to to Danny, you know, go for the goal. But Unan hit the point. He obviously got a, a little bit of a bollocking. And then he was doing the sort of calm down, you know, you know, let's let's stay in this kind of thing. But straight away after that, she, uh, Paul Mannion scores a wonder point. And um, 
Shane Walsh then hits a free and it all started to feel a bit ominous. It started to feel like if you have an opportunity to get a goal against Crokes and try to put them out of there, you need to take it, even though you're already sort of building the lead. But Mannion and Walsh sort of took over from there on and, and it just goes <coughs> to show, no matter how badly you're playing, when you've got forwards of that ability, you're always in the game. I'd say even when Kilmacud had seen that, you know, like that yeah. he didn't finish them off, they're like, like, come on, like we need to wake up here. And you, you always felt that Kilmacud would bring something like, yeah. like they haven't been beaten in club championship football since Kilku beat them in that All-Ireland final. Like this okay. is the best team that we've seen in in many years. And they had been so poor and so uncharacteristically passive in the game up to then that you knew something was coming, especially as you said as well with Mannion and Walsh there. And I suppose from that moment, they completely took over. And Keane O'Connor, he was a, he played a big part in it as well, just running straight mm-hmm. at um, Glenn. And Kilmacud, they did, they took over then. And you kind of felt... If if you know if it, like they 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 got to within um, a point, obviously then Ethan Doherty got that lucky goal. Um, Andy McGowan was was dispossessed, and yeah. you obviously thought it was over then. But up to then, it was it looked like a draw game. Like yeah, it did. Which is weird because Glen were obviously the better team for so much so of it. Quickly, so quickly, and in, and that turned, it sort of started. Well, like we talked there about Welsh and Mannion, but Welsh's pass for the goal. Um, that sort of cross. Who was who got the goal again? Because I had it the dark down, yeah. but there was a big confusion. Yeah. But obviously with the fog, um, like in in a game where you couldn't see anything, Walsh still manages to pick out the most impossible pass, you know, or even just to see that it was on. Because when you're playing Gaelic football, you're always taught not to cross the ball because it always favors the defender. You know, it's not like soccer where someone can get ahead to it. Like everyone can use their hands. It's like it's like crossing it into like a box full of goalkeepers. You know, it doesn't really make sense. And then quite often, if you're playing with lads who play a lot of soccer and they're maybe just back from, you know, a soccer season and they fall into old habits, they find themselves on the wing and they're crossing in, you're always the first thing, you know, they're getting hooked and the manager's going to go mental at them. But like, that's just typical Walsh, isn't it? Like he can, he's going to be unorthodox and pick out them things that no one else can do. But it was perfect. It was right yeah. into the breadbasket. Like, like the, it was what, like it was nearly in the net before within yeah. seconds of Walsh kicking the ball, which, which summed up what a brilliant pass um, it was but I suppose it is it's a credit to Crokes as well that you know while things were going against them mm-hmm. that they they still went down like champions you know like and yeah. you've seen and with composure too. with, yeah, with composure they didn't kind of just um, you know they, they they really went for it in those last few minutes you probably you could see in Robbie Brennan after the game he was a bit frustrated that they hadn't brought that um, earlier in the game you know yeah. that they were a bit maybe passive and I suppose sometimes they are you know, sometimes we've seen that that they kind of control games, and that's the style that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously had to put all hands on deck uh, in the last few minutes. Then, and I suppose I only realised this as well, kind of coming up to the final. That you know they were missing five lads from from last year's um, that started last year's final in, in um, Ben Shovlin, Killian O'Shea, um, Connor Casey, who came on, Michael Michael Mullen, and. Uh, Conor Ferris the goalie even though the goalie um, kicked a brilliant point yesterday the, the equaliser yeah um, or one of the brilliant equalizers. brilliant point so you, you kind of forget that that they were they replaced them with you know a few young lads who, who were very good uh, as well but mm-hmm. um, I suppose it shows the the strength and depth that they have but um, sort of made room for it. like that's a Shane Horan sort of starting now he wasn't really 
sort of coming on and off last year, wasn't he? And Luke Ward and yeah. Dara Dempsey, who've contributed as well uh, themselves this year. So um, I kind of felt, I got the sense off that Robbie Brennan interview, I'm not sure if you've seen it, that that he was, it was as if he was kind of winding down. I got that sense off him. He, he kind of said, um, well, he, he did say, he said... Um, Hopefully the lads will hopefully the lads will regroup and come back at it again. They've been on a great run for the last six years. Um so they're a good bunch and I think they'll be back again. You know, it kind of mm. sounds a bit like um he could be he could be on his way out. Um he's obviously done a great stint and to be fair to him as well, he was very sporting I thought after yeah. the game as well. Like he admitted that while what the conditions weren't playable, it wasn't an excuse. Yeah, yeah, and he said that like I think the words he used was that like we almost stole it in the end. You know, he wasn't afraid to to, to limit that in that because that's nearly how it would have felt. Um, because obviously after after that Walsh cross and the goal, Higgins uh, equaliser, the goalkeeper, I think Emmett Bradley then hits a really important free, who puts them one up, and then that leads us to the Ethan Doherty goal. You mentioned that it's very fortunate, and it was. There's no doubt about it. But I thought the pressing. From Glenn at that point, because this is what like the seventy third minute, something like that. And they were up by a point, weren't they? They were up by a single yeah, point. Yeah, uh, they go short with a kick out, maybe to do with the fog and just you know the way the layout was. And Glenn's forwards, and it was hard to tell. I was trying to work out who it was, but they were sprinting. Yeah, it was Danny Talon actually, because yeah. he was sprinting at your like, man straight away, like yeah. with everything, you know. And then Glass got the foot in. Yeah, exactly. And then that let you know it was sort of like make your own luck. That guy was kind of you know it fortune favors the brave. And then I think it's more impressive too, although a little bit strange. Um, Glenn only used two substitutes that entire match. The first one for Jack Doherty. As far as I know, I'm I'm happy to be correct on that, but everywhere I checked, they only used the two. First one for Jack Doherty, who was injured early on, and then Ryan Dugan, who was injured as well. So, like, it's not like they had a lot of fresh faces out there. You know, everyone who was no. on that pitch had been running themselves into the ground, and to do that so late on. So, on the basis of that, now, straight after that, Shane Walsh gets what it probably was a fortunate free <laughs> or a goal. Um, I think the ball sort of gets lost in the sky. Everyone... It was funny after that, Conan Bradley, the goalie, he yeah. was looking at Emmett Bradley and they were just staring at each other for a good 10 seconds, yeah. about to give out. And Conan Bradley <laughs> thought Emmett had it. Yeah. It was clearly too high for him, just playing the fog. Two two brothers as well. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, I'm sure they uh, would be quick to blame each other. It was like, I could see Warnock was kind of cramping up at that yeah. stage and he was down in his hunkers while Walsh kicked that ball in and he was like, oh no. Like, I know. Because like, they, they had it won. Feeling, the yeah. TG Carr commentator even said it. Like yeah. he said it. This game is over now. Like I mean, th- that that's why it was so impressive with Glenn. Was it was the point that like Kilmacock Crooks, a team as good as them, had the momentum they did, and it's so hard to break that. But Glenn did. You know, when it wasn't going their way, they they made it happen, sort mm. of thing. And then to concede that goal, I'd say they were thinking, well, like, what do we have to do? Here? Like to most ref- out of most referees would have played an extra. I really, I, I was very surprised that when like, Con- when Conlon kicked it out and he blew the whistle, I was very surprised because it was like sixty three thirty when the yeah. goal went in and he took so long to kick it out. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine, like, would there even have been extra time in those conditions? Like, there I probably know. would have had to been, but um, it was crazy. It was crazy to watch it. Like. You'd have such a headache trying to watch yeah, the television that you were like, you were sometimes you'd nearly zone out that it was so hard to to focus on it. And I was only thinking like, imagine if you didn't understand Irish and yeah. you're just watching this blank screen, you haven't a clue what is going on. Like It is it's <clears throat> nearly impossible to follow. Which is the shame like that, yeah. you know, it would have been. I, I actually couldn't believe on Saturday, I was thinking... Why is this game not on tonight under yeah. the lights? Like RTE and the, the Saturday night show. Whatever, whether it's RTE or TG Car, like 
they were under the lights in Nori, that would have yeah. been special. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying this just because the fog kind of ruined the game, but like either way, yeah. it would have been there would have been a better atmosphere, I think, there anyway, if it was um yeah, on it Saturday. Deserved night. it like it did. Um you mentioned Michael Warnock there, uh sort of cramping up. He got man of the match in the end. I thought it was maybe between him and Emmett Bradley in the end, but uh Markin Shane Walsh for the whole game. It's hardly an easy task. You have to be switched on at all times. But he got a great point in the first half himself. And it's that whole... Th- which which I was glad to see because when you hear, you know, oh, who's on Shane Walsh? And you're thinking, I, I don't think man-marking him and just sticking to him is the way to do it. I think you got to attack. It's like that whole Chrissy McCaig marking Jermaine Connolly all them years ago for Slack Neal and yeah. Vincent. Lee Keegan marking Connolly as well. Exactly, yeah. The best or way to do it was to go forward and get scores yourself and make him chase you as best you can as well. Um, but then you wonder as well, that's why Thomas Sullivan marked Shane Walsh in that yeah. All-Ireland final because he was brilliant at going forward but then he got roasted. You know, he conceded like, like nine points. Sometimes you just have to accept it like <clears throat> yeah. it's Shane Walsh. Like. So like, I mean, I, I just, that's just all credit to to, to Warnock like, and, and what a brilliant player he is the, the Glen boys all call him Spike I don't know why actually so I maybe should have checked that in case it's on wrong with he doesn't well, like he, it he's real quick though as well he's yeah. so quick to cover the ground and he's a brilliant tackler he's strong yeah. he's clever on the ball he's uh, they've so as you said they've so many leaders but he strikes me as a, as a big one as well yeah um, and he filled in at that number 6 spot when Keir McFaul was missing last year like I say you know he didn't really Hugely noticed the difference, which is no. which is massive testament because we we already talked about how brilliant Kieran McFall is. Um, he's another one like, and I don't mean to like push this because this could just be a case that the Glen boys, these ones in in particular, aren't interested in, in playing for Derry. A lot of a lot of the club boys, especially <laughs> at successful clubs, aren't because you know it's such a time commitment already and they've, they've got yeah. so much in. But like, I, I only think of it because you know Mickey Hart's got the job and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, so. He needs to hit the ground running, and to do that, you want all of your best players. But like, if I was dairy manager, you know, you'd be on the phone to two or three of them lads. Isn't it a funny one? The Glen thing that, like, do you know some of them boys don't play for dairy? Maybe yeah. they won't play. Maybe they don't want to yeah. play for dairy because they're doing so much. Like Malika Rourke was linked with the dairy job as well, yeah. and I heard Connor Glass interviewed um, yesterday, and he was like. When Maliki told me that no, my focus is on Glenn now at the minute, that I knew that there was something special coming. Like the Glenn boys wouldn't have wanted Maliki Rourke to yeah, take yeah. to be the dairy manager. Because they, know? they would have lost him then. Like yeah. so it's funny that sometimes a club doing well mightn't actually help the county team. Like you think of Bally Gunner in Waterford and yep. they've been so good, but they don't have too many on yeah. the county team, like. No, so. absolutely. And then like when Armagh were going through that really poor stage, they got right to division three. Um, Cross McLean were so dominant and you know it didn't help yeah because like lads can just like they're like we're focusing on the club now yeah, yeah and especially when you're at that elite elite level at the top of the club game like apart from the Ballyhale lads there's obviously lots more as well that likes Paul Mannion it's so tough to balance that like to get the two of them to yeah. reach the peak of the two of them like no it is absolutely it is but yeah what a brilliant game and there <clears> actually was another match on as well uh, St. Bridget's uh, are going to be the finalists. They're going to play uh, Glen in Crow Park. They beat Castlehaven 111 to 10 points. Um, this is St. Bridget's third All Ireland final since 2011. Like, I mean, you think Glen technically, you know, not technically, they haven't. They haven't won an All Ireland final, but they're going to go into it as overwhelming favourites. But really, you know, St. Bridget's are the one with the tradition and the history. 
And you could see that, yes, Raven, you know, that they have that tradition. Um, they lost their first final to Cross McGlenn in 2011. Then they beat Ballymun, obviously, in sensational circumstances back in 2013. Um, Frankie Dolan got the the late score to win it that day, an unbelievable score. Um, and, yeah, they were they were impressive against Carfin uh, to beat them, um, but they were even more impressive yesterday. I thought mm-hmm. they were... While they had that very flat spell after half time, they actually yeah. didn't score for seventeen minutes after half time. Um, you always feel though that that can happen when a team is 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 winning. Do you know that the yeah. same with Glen? Yeah. Um, that they can kind of sit on it a small bit, but well, Castle even had no choice then but to throw the kitchen exactly. Sink, so exactly. That. So yeah. kind of yeah. Um, but I thought Bridget's then when the pre- when it really came down to it, like against Carfin, they were calm. They're so calm on the ball. They have a lot of, you know, um, similarly kind of built players. A lot of them, they're not the biggest team, I'd say, but they're all really clever on the ball. Mm-hmm. The likes of Robbie Dolan, um, Robbie Nugent, uh, Brian Derwin was was brilliant early on, got 1-1. One, one, um, hand that got man of the match in the game. They're all so clever on the ball and they rarely lose the ball. And even before that late penalty that they won, they were so calm. They were Castlehaven were pressing them, but they were just well able to get out of these sticky situations. Mm-hmm. Brian Stack as well, and the best best of them all is is Ben O'Carroll. I think he's just an absolute joy to watch. Yeah, uh, so good on the ball, and um, they Glenn will be overwhelming favourites. But there's something about St Bridges. They've a great belief about them, and it probably mm-hmm. does come back to that tradition that you mentioned. Yeah, you can't you can't underestimate it for sure. <laughs> I do think like if you were to, if you I mean God if you're nitpicking and you had a find. If it even is one uh, a flaw or whatever in the in the Glen setup is that they maybe don't have that one really prolific score. You know the one that gets like eight or nine points or whatever a game, and um, they sort of share the scores and they, it's all, it's obviously effective. Like, but um, uh, Bridges can share the scores as well. But they've got they seem to have three sort of prolific forwards. Uh, ben O'Carroll is obviously the main man. Um, he's he's very classy. Uh, but Robbie Nugent, you know, he he was on fire. Darwin, yeah. yeah. And, and Darwin was the one that got the goal in the end. You know, like, I mean, when you've got that much firepower up front, you know, it, it, you're, you're always going to be really dangerous. Yeah, they've kind of, the bullets coming from all angles. And like Castlehaven, they obviously, like, weren't really, they, they, they're they similarly, they, they have a lot of good forwards as well, mm-hmm. but they just, they weren't able to stop um, the Bridget Spies. But it's, it's the way they play that they're so clever. A lot of them, they run, they're direct run with the ball. Um and they're they're just a, a very good team and that semi final was kind of discarded in in the build up uh, yeah. with all the talk obviously being about Kim McCood and Glenn but um I think like St Bridges you know they proved they were what they were one seven to six up at half time they were even more up at one stage they were five or six points up at one stage in the first half like Glenn will know that these boys yeah. are not to be sniffed at like um. You know they're a very good team. Paul McGrath. They they, they could have had a goal actually as well I'll after half that. time when Paul McGrath and he didn't even get the point. He kicked it wide. In fairness to him, he'd made a brilliant interception. Um, 
but he got one later on that was really important as well. He did. He got yeah. the the last score before that penalty, like so he made up for it there. Yeah. Um, and that's a mark of a brilliant player, isn't it? Like you know you've made a mistake, but you rectify it later on. Like it doesn't. He, affect he you. was he was the captain. He gave the speech after the Connacht fans, yeah. so he's obviously a big leader in the team. But I suppose he's just, he's so similar to a lot of their players. They're so quick, so so good in the ball, like and um, yeah, they'll be they'll be hard. Hard beating, like from the Castlehaven perspective, I suppose they kind of had been, they'd been living on a bit of a knife edge. Um, they kind of ran through a few of their lives, uh, like they they went extra time against Cratlow, penalties against Dingle. You know, they've yeah. they've been had tight games. They had a brilliant win, obviously, in that Munster final against Dingle. But um, I do think Bridgets were deserving winners yesterday. Oh no, they definitely were. I suppose we, we, yeah, you got to give credit to Castlehaven because, um. They did have to throw the kitchen sink and they did manage to find a way to get back into the game. They got two late points in the first half and that was absolutely vital because they kind of would have been dead and buried um, at that stage. So they, they had something to, to build on in the second half. I want to talk a little about uh, Brian Hurley purely because I just love watching him play. Like, I think he's class. He missed a few frees in 45s, but the points he did get were sensational. And then, you know, he's the ultimate, like, makes something out of nothing player. I tweeted that he reminds me a lot of He's like, it's a cardinal sin to compare Gaelic players to soccer players. But he reminds me of Luis Suarez. I don't know, like that sort of small frame that really so twisty and dynamic. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can just the definition of like a handful, you know, he must be a nightmare. Yeah, he kind of has that... Um desperation that Suarez had yeah. that if he has the ball like there's something is going to happen and he's if not he's going to make it happen and yeah. you can see it he's such a key man and anytime he gets the ball like if he gets a half a chance you expect him to just he's, he'll kind of shake someone off he did he did it once in the first half where he got a pass and he ran forward with it and I thought has he carried this too far and then he takes a step outside and kicks it over mm-hmm. um, Michael Hurley is obviously similar he wasn't like on the top form that he'd showed earlier in their campaign obviously he'd, he'd, he'd pulled a hamstring against Dingalek so he yeah. was he was like ha- not having him at the full of his health was was a bit of a loss um, for Castlehaven he was still decent to, to be fair to him but um, they, they still had their chances man. though like Castlehaven I mean Roy exactly. McGuire hit the crossbar if that had went in just the way the momentum was going at that stage you know yeah like, there, there wasn't a realm where it was impossible you no, know, for Castlehaven no, to, to no, have won no. That they, much. they showed great heart, and they obviously have all year to win those tight yeah. games. To beat Nemo, they were level in that game in the county final in in injury time as well. Like so, um, Jack Ahlan actually hit the crossbar in the first half of them yeah. as well. So you know they hit the crossbar twice. Like yeah, 
so that's that's a t- that's unlucky. Like, and in the end, it did come down to that score from the St. Bridget sub, um, John Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Like, what a uh, brilliant score that was from about. He was only after coming on to the field. Um, he was about 50, 60 metres out and just said he'd he'd draw a boot at it and uh, a brilliant, brilliant score that kind of gave them a bit of a, a cushion when they needed it. Like, Yeah, no, definitely. And then I, what I did think was strange about Castlehaven was that, was it at that stage then they were maybe a point down? Well, they needed a goal anyway, maybe three down, really late on in the game and they, they have possession. And um, when you're sort of talking, well, you're, they're going to launch this in here, they're going to launch it in the box and, you know, try and try and scrape a goal really late on, get an equaliser. But instead, they got the ball out wide, they worked it back into the middle, just to sort of half work it back wide and then back into the middle, which just makes no sense to me because when you're playing Gaelic football, if you're going to do that, you're always taught to kick the ball in from an angle. So either, <coughs> uh, you know, from some sort of width because if you hit it straight on, it's always going to, like from a central position, it's always going to favour the fullbacks and the defenders who are just going to palm it in front of themselves. Um, but they were so determined to play it through the middle where it's the most congested and then the inevitable happened and they got overturned ball broke down the other end and I think it resulted in a penalty Do you remember that other time as well where they did the hand pass the ball over the sideline Yeah oh straight over his head it yeah. was, that was just it was a real lack of composure or something and that maybe came from coming out in the second half with that sort of desperateness that we need to get back into this game but and they did get back into the game and you know and it worked to a certain degree but when you do it so early in the match You've nearly no composure left, you know, because it's it's so long to be playing frantic and chaotic football. They were kind of dawdling on the ball as yeah. well at that stage, and um, that was the sign of it, the team that were beaten. Like, yeah, and Bridget's actually worked that. They worked that up the field, lovely. I know that the Castlehaven boys were a lot of them were like away from home, like up up the field. But Bridges worked it lovely to to win the penalty, mm-hmm. and your man he he was going to round the goalie. Only he was taken out from the back, um, coming in coming in behind him. Um, it was such a it was such a sweet penalty for Ben O'Carroll to be standing over like yeah no like it wasn't that there were two points up there were three points up yeah um he was asking the line what should he do and I was surprised that he didn't ask the ref because straight after he put the penalty over the bar. He was he was kind of joking with the ref. He yeah. was like, you know, you could have told me that was the last kick. Yeah, because uh, I'd say he loved love to bury that. Like, yeah, no, it yeah. such a sweet one to have scored a goal there. Like. Absolutely, it would have showed real character <coughs> to put it in the net. But there is always that fear. I guess imagine he misses, the keeper saves it, and it's straight out feel. Like. Yeah, and they they, they like play off. Like, would you trust the ref if he told you this is the last kick? Like, exactly, like. you'd, be tr- you'd be blaming him straight away. And but then the ref could just turn to you and say. You should have scored. Like you had a penalty, <laughs> you know. Um, I can't remember the last time I seen anyone actually go for the option just to kick it over the bar in, in the penalty. More often than not, they do just try to bury it. What would you do? It was such a unique situation, though. You never see it like where yeah. they're three points up in the penalty, and it should be the last kick. I like to be honest. I probably would kick it over just take uh, the yeah. win. Like I, do you know what? I know, so, like, I'd be so nervous for going to kick it over and hitting it wide. Because it's obvious, it's like such an obviously easy shot. It's nearly too easy. Mm. But then I'm not Ben O'Carroll. Like he was never going to miss that. He was, he was absolutely fantastic. No, um, class act. So it worked out really well. It was the perfect game. It kind of whetted the appetite for the the Glen Kilmacud game, which was blockbuster because of all the stuff that happened the year before. Um, but it will be St. Bridget's and it will be Glen in the final. 
What do you think of that match? Is, are you having Glenn as the overwhelming favourites yourself or do you think it'll be closer than maybe the bookies will have it? No, I think it'll be, I think it'll be very close now, yeah. I have to say. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've huge time for St. Bridget's and haven't been impressed with them against Cara Finn, was even more impressed um, yesterday. And um, I like Glenn, they will treat them with the respect that they mm-hmm. deserve, but I still think it'll be uh, an extremely tight game. There probably is a sense of you feel that there's a degree of an, like a degree of faith that Glenn will eventually win this All Ireland. Like they've been there for the last three, four years, you know, mm-hmm. they've lost to Kilku, they've beaten Kilku, they've lost to Kilmacud, they've beaten Kilmacud. You kind of feel as if they deserve they're a team that deserves an All Ireland, mm-hmm. but like Bridges will they'll definitely push them, I would imagine, all the way anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think it'll be a very close game as well. And that, and that's actually a really good point about Glenn with their and it's a it's sort of pattern of play because in twenty twenty Slack Neil put them out of the championship, twenty twenty one they beat Slack Neil, twenty twenty one uh Kilku put them out of the championship as you say, twenty twenty two they beat Kilku, and then twenty twenty three Crokes beat them, twenty twenty four. Crooks, like, cro- yeah. You know, like they're the ultimate. Like you know, you can't give them two swings no. at it because they'll always find a way. Um, and we sort of half talked about it how subdued they were at full time. Um, with the Kilmogod game, I thought there'd be a, you know like an eruption of like we did it. We'd be you know the, the the best team in the country. Like that has to mean something. But they were very measured in how um they're like no nothing's won yet. You know, there's no point celebrating. You know, we've got this far before, and it didn't feel very good when we lost the final. So. I, they're going to be focused. That's a bad sign for St. Bridget's, I'd say. I'd say St. Bridget's would have preferred it if, you know, they had went really mad and, and then maybe won the game quite comfortably. But because it was a hard semi-final, <clears throat> it probably stands to them a little bit more. Well, I think what subdued them is that they'll be so disappointed with how they let him back into it straight yeah. away, having True. won the game. And you could see Conor Carville, he's the captain, and after the game, he was, he was like... He had his hands in his hips. He wasn't celebrating. He kind of nearly looked like a lad who had been beaten yeah. or had drawn the game. You know, so that would have... Um, it's like a soccer team when they concede a late goal to lose their clean sheet even though they've yeah. won the game. Do you know, they're disappointed, like... That's um, two soccer references in themselves, we've mentioned. like, so, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to be careful now. A third one and we're out. Um, well, there was other club uh, bits on as well. The All-Ireland Club uh, Intermediate Semi-Finals and the Junior, junior Semi-Finals. Now, I'm going to let you go to town. <clears throat> on the junior um, situation because I know you've got a lot to say on it but a little bit on the uh, the intermediate first Kilnamarta beat uh, St. Kevin's um, and then Allenwood beat Collihanna uh, the Armagh or, 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 Collihanna the Armagh team of course the Ulster team won um, but that was Johnny Doyle he's 46 this month and he still kicked two points you know in an All-Ireland semi-final and like he's just yeah, every time you see him play, you just support him because whatever you know, say he's obviously going to be on is the one you want because he's just so likable and so inspirational and um, it, it, it begs belief, isn't it? It is. It's unbelievable that he's still kind of he's galloping up and down the field, whether it's wing forward or midfield. He's still as fit as as he needs to be to kick two points from play out of eleven points that they scored. You know, it shows how involved uh, he was. Um, we've seen. Uh, Highlights from the last day, the point he scored in Parnell Park, running down the wing, and it was like he was yeah. ten years younger, do you know. So um, he's 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 unbelievable. Uh, it's obviously going to be Kilnamartra of Cork. They had a, a very tight game with St Kevin's of Castlereagh in in Roscommon. That was in Amore Park, and it was only 
two they scored two goals within the space of a minute, so it was a bit of a killer um for for St. Kevin's, you know, to a double whammy like that. They did so well to to get it back to a one point game um late on. So um yeah, so Kilna Martra, uh, they're from the, uh, they're kind of a, a Gwaeltuk village. They're mm-hmm. in, in West Muskerry in, in Cork. John Evans, who has previously managed Roscommon, Tipperary and Wicklow. He's a Kerry man. He's their manager. And, you know, he was saying that uh, Kilna Martra will be empty t- tomorrow and it'll, it, they'll have another day out now uh, this weekend. It'll be empty again when they all go up to Croke Park. So, um That'll be a good final. Uh, it's the Cork teams. Uh, it's it's more often than not the Kerry teams that um, do so well in that intermediate. But I remember back to a few months ago, it was Milltown Castlemaine. The boys were beating Fossa. Uh-huh. They had to play Killing the Martyr the next week. Like so, yeah. you know that was obviously going to be a tough one and for them. Like so, um, yeah, Daniel O'Donin, he got the, he got a, a goal and he's a player we've seen before. I remember he scored an unbelievable solo goal when he was in school. Uh it was some schools game that I'd seen before. So he's uh one of their one of their key players. So um that'll be a final to to look forward to. Um I'm not, I don't know too much about Cully Hanna, but they have one or two um on the Armagh team. I think there's a Ross McQuillan. Mm-hmm. I think he's from from Cullihanna. Obviously, should have my uh, research mm-hmm. done here, but uh, that'll be a final to to look forward to. <clears throat> yeah, no, I always think of Cullihanna. I was telling you this as well. Um, I came out of a pub in Belfast, the the half field, and woke up the next day and I was wearing a Cullihanna quarter zip. I have no idea how or who who it owns to. So if anyone's missing one from around two thousand and fourteen. Uh, say small I have it it's still I still have it at home like you never throw away a good top but um, moving on to the junior games then I know you've got a lot to say about that oh wait you found they you. also yeah they also have Aidan Nugent so um, he, he's obviously but you don't get much bigger than that yeah Aidan Nugent and Ross McQuillan in the forward line so um, you know that's a, for, a force to be reckoned with up, up front so um, yeah yeah Looking forward to that final next week, definitely. Yeah, and then um, another Ulster team is in the junior final, Arva from Cavan, <laughs> and they've got a very um, peculiar sort of situation or an unusual. I don't know. It's it's just weird. Yeah, well, they lost the Cavan junior final last year by a point. They've been kind of up and down, a bit of a yo-yo team mm-hmm. in terms of the championship, but they've been going so well in the league. They lost a re- or they won a relegation final in the league last year. At so they're level. a senior. They're a senior league club. So um, so a senior league club. Playing junior championship. Yeah, so this is going to be uh, it's going to be an unbelievably high standard for for a junior final. And I know it was a high standard last year when the mm-hmm. two Cliffords were obviously playing in it uh, in the All Ireland Junior Final. But it's going to be very high this year when Arva, um, a senior club in Cavan, they have Kieran Brady, who's obviously a key player mm-hmm. um, for Cavan. But when they take on Listowel Emmets, who defeated Lahardan McHales of of Mayo. By one eleven to to three points, uh, this game was over at half time, um, and there there has been a bit of kind of, I suppose people are kind of a, awakening to the fact that since two thousand five in forty um, since two thousand five, Kerry have accounted for fourteen participants in the All Ireland Junior Club final, um, they've won eleven of them, which is is. Um, a little bit down. Well, it's 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 a good bit down to the fact that they only have eight senior teams. Yeah. Now they do have have sixteen intermediate um, teams, which means that Listowel 
technically are the 25th best team in Kerry yeah. this year, having having won the the junior. Um, but it is um, a situation that I I would certainly feel strongly about that there should be a a, a uniform approach that counties have the same number of teams in their championships. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be hard to police that in that some counties have a lesser cl- lesser amount of clubs than others but certainly in a place like Kerry which is like the best football county that there is yeah. along with Dublin like the fact that they have only eight senior clubs that it's their 25th best club playing against Lahardan who would um, be Mayo's 33rd yeah. best club like that doesn't it, it, it does kind of damage the integrity of the competition a small bit I would say mm-hmm. and it's something similar the pattern is also the same in the hurling in that Kilkenny have been in 10 finals since 2005. 10 All-Ireland Junior finals since 2005, winning seven. They have the same, it's the same situation in, in Kilkenny in that they have 12 senior clubs and 12 intermediate clubs, so it's their 25th best club playing junior. Um, which, is, which is a similar thing, that it's a higher level of a club playing in this competition when they come out of Kilkenny and when they come out of Kerry, like which... In, to my mind isn't the fairest way to do it like there no. should be a uniform approach Kilkenny have played in 10 finals since 2005 winning 7 they've also been very dominant in the intermediate grade given that it's only their 13th mm-hmm. um, their 13th strongest team so you know it's um, I, I, you just feel that there should be a uniform approach to it yeah, definitely feels a bit skewed for sure. Um, they probably will get a good game, <coughs> though, considering that Arva are a, a senior team technically that they're playing. So it'll probably be a bit more evened out, maybe than, than yeah. what they're getting. But it it is strange. Um, uh, I read somewhere actually uh, that uh, for the first time ever, if if all Ulster teams win, all, all Ulster teams are in the final. But if they all win, um, then it'll be the first time ever that they've won an All Ireland. You know, at all three grades. So. History could potentially be in the making there, but uh, opposition like St. Bridget's and Arva and the likes will have a lot to say about that. Um, yeah. Well, Kilkenny are going, Kilkenny, forget about Ulster, even provinces, Kilkenny are going for the clean sweep in the hurling, oh, yeah. which kind of, I suppose, backs up my point a bit more in that Tullaher, Rossburg, and that's Wally Walsh's club. They're in the junior final this weekend. Thomastown are in the senior, and O'Loughlin Gale, or Thomastown are in the intermediate, and O'Loughlin Gales are in the senior. So, it, in fairness, Kilkenny are going for the the clean sweep as well, so it could be Kilkenny and Ulster domination. Yeah, definitely. Which yeah. is something to fear. Uh, there was also don't some. Like that, like. No, I I I don't like the sound <laughs> of it. To be fair, but uh, there was also some uh, county matches on the preseason tournaments <coughs> have have been up and running, and we often sort of you sort of go into these games oh they don't really mean anything, but then when your team loses or a big team loses, you know suddenly it means everything. And one of the big teams that lost was Mayo. Um, a sort of shocking loss to London. Now, to give it some context, they were they give seven debutants in that match, but sure, you know, FBD League, McKenna Cup, McGrath Cup, whatever, th- they're full of debutants. You know, I watched uh, the Dublin game and it was just it was full of players I'd never heard of before. How many of them were debutants, I didn't know, but they still found a way to get over the line in a game that they were expected to win. And Kevin McStay was very cutthroat afterwards he said um, it's not easy to get scores at this level the sort of defensive structures you're up against is pretty pretty tough but also the opportunities do not go on forever this was a big chance for them talking about the debutants we'll have to go back now during the week and see who really measured up and who didn't and that's how ruthless this bloody game is unfortunately yeah he, he's uh, could be a tough <laughs> week for, for some lads um, like I suppose 
while they're often criticised these pre-season competitions and I've seen Niall Rigney former Leash hurler he was saying that what is the point of them let lads enjoy their Christmas Yeah. but the county season is so compact like it's over by June July now that you have to like I was still excited watching say teams playing this because you're excited about who is playing yeah. and you know these boys who are making their debuts how do they get on Will they make an impression so that they could be in, you know, a starting 15 for the championship? Mm-hmm. So they're still like, and player, like for players who are on the fringes of county pans, like this is their, you know, this is their All-Ireland basically in that this is where they have to make an impression or as Kevin McSay said, they're going to be cut like. So they do have um, an importance obviously to players and to managers who who want to, to pick their teams and, I suppose we've been so long without um, yeah. county intercounty GA that you're just excited to see it back. And I know I watched um, Tipperary and Waterford hurlers on on Clubber yesterday, and like it's completely new look teams from from both um, sides. But Waterford won that game now. Uh, Tip were Tip got a red card early on, and and Waterford were were were, were the better team. But you're still you're still excited about them, and there's still uh, degree of interest there even though we like nobody cares who wins them yeah really. exactly yeah. like it's not an honour like it's not a good season if you win the Waterford Crystal Cup no. you know or the Dior Light O'Byrne <laughs> Cup as it's now known but like they still have a place in that yeah I think so and they're, they're, for, for the diehards like us maybe you know we'll always find some sort of enjoyment in them like I watched Jerome V Donegal and you sort of see the team sheet beforehand and it's not filled with you know the huge names. Obviously, Dark Anavan and stuff was still playing, but uh, like when you hear things like like I heard a lot about this corner forward Connor Cush, and then he was starting corner forward. So I was like, oh good, I finally get to see him. You know, there's that element to it where you you finally get to like what, see what all the fuss is with some of these players, and and that game itself was uh, was actually quite decent. Donegal, you wouldn't really care what other counties are doing. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's uh, nearly yeah. the interest is all in your own county, like and who's yeah. playing because it kind of it's coming from the club scene and. Who's impressed for the club? They've got the call up. Yeah. Do you know all the talk is in Tipperary has been like that? Like who's in training and who's yeah. not? And especially after the split season when there was no county for so long, so there, I'd say there was more eyeballs on the club game, and so you've really like examined it. You know, you've took it all in a little bit more than you maybe normally would have. So that now when the county's on, you're like, he oh deserves, God, he a, deserves shot. a shot. Yeah. He deserves How a shot. How the hell and is this lad in there? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, and then. So Trum were playing Donegal in that match and we're speaking of like people who are interested. People are interested in Donegal and Jim McGuinness. I had family members at the, at the game. It was in Healy Park and they were saying the crowd attendance was something like that of a league game you'd, or you would find less at some league games. Um, apparently Donegal are getting massive support. at them. I couldn't find the numbers of the or for the attendance but for a Mechanic Cup game, one of the first Mechanic Cup games, their second round, um, that's what the Jim McGuinness effect is like, you know, I mean, there's serious uh, curiosity there and there's, the Donegal fans are just excited by this one name alone. They haven't even done anything yet. Um, that that's that says something for a man who apparently has ruined the game. Well, they have a fence built up around their training ground. <laughs> so, true. you know, there's nowhere else to see them like. So, um, this is the, the only place and the only chance that you have like. Um, yeah, you can understand why, like, he's such a kind of enigmatic figure, Jim McGuinness, yeah. and he kind of does his own thing. And, like, you just have a sense that he's doing something wild with the boys up in Donegal, like, from what you've heard. 
all that he did before mm-hmm. when they won the Ireland the last time. So um, it definitely brings a bit of excitement anyway. And um, she's seen that last week there was already even headlines when Finbar Orty, he was too young to play and McGuinness played him. So It's just typical McGuinness. He does it? his own he, thing. He does his own thing, yeah. When it's like, I wanted to play him, so I played him. <laughs> yeah, he's from his own club, Nave Connell, yeah. so he obviously knew what this that is all about. But yeah, yeah. that's... I thought it was interesting. I actually read a thing earlier, must have been last week. Uh, Jim McGinnis talking. He was like, he had Michael Murphy half tortured on the phone to come back. So like, it was not for a want of trying. You know, the Michael Murphy isn't back, and a lot of people thought that him being appointed would be enough nearly to per- to persuade him. Considering that he's, I think he's only thirty four. He's only missed one season. You know, it wouldn't be crazy uh, if he was to come back. And especially when you look at like Cluxton, or whatever last year. Um. So this is actually going to be Jim McGinnis's first season as Donegal manager underage as well where he doesn't have Michael Murphy you know even just about I respect Murphy for sticking to his guns yeah. I'm done leave it I'm done yeah. leave me alone like. don't retire in the first place if you yeah. were going to be you know not if there's any it. chance that you will come back I know it's obviously such a huge commitment and yeah. like we won't know the half of the training that these boys are doing but like I like it when a lad sticks to his guns yeah. like I'm done yeah Joe Canning did something similar too wasn't it when yeah, Henry Shepard, yeah. your manager, they were all like, oh, he's coming back. And he kept saying, he's like, I'm not. And they're like, oh, well, he might do, I heard. And he's like, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> you know, like, well, how many times do I have to say it? Um, no, there is a lot of respect to it. And then another uh, talking point, and it's something that definitely could have been used in the Glen match, is uh, the orange football. First of all, a little bit unusual looking, but are you a fan of it? Well, so that's Mayo's excuse that they lost to London because we're using oh, yeah. orange ball. Like, they're not used to... To this, I seen an awful funny tweet from RF. He said, "The hurlers lost to New York. The footballers lost to London. May we're back." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're going to blame the orange ball. I suppose uh, it could definitely have been have been useful in that game. But why not? Like, why uh, wasn't it used in the game? Yeah, it. I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then what I want to know is that what happened to the yellow ball. Like I remember when that was first brought in. Like, and there was kind of a kick up about it because, you know. Yellow. Traditionalists watching Gaelic football, like you know, it, it was always white. It needs to be white. Um, but and they brought in a yellow one. Uh, it was for the sort of Saturday night games. Yeah. That they started bringing in for the league. Um, the yellow ball. I know it causes a bit of a problem in hurling, but that's more to do with the weight of it, isn't it? No, like people are okay with it now in hurling because it's been confirmed that it's the yellow ball, and that's the way it is. Like, and there's no real difference, I would imagine. Well, Patrick Organ always. I felt Patrick Organ isn't happy with it. Yeah, he 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 doesn't like. But um, to my mind, there's no real difference anyway. And yeah. uh, like, it would have been if there was an orange ball yesterday. It would have been funny to have seen it in in Nuri. Like, would you have? You know, Hugh Kenny's goal there. You didn't yeah. see it. Like, would you have just seen a little orange rocket flying across the field? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think it would have made a bit of a difference. Um, Maybe just like instinctively, you wouldn't go to jump on. That's a different color than what you're mm. used to getting. It, but like, I don't know. I think we're clutching at st- straws here now. Uh, they definitely could have been um, doing with the orange ball, or probably shouldn't have played the game in the first place. Let's be honest. You know, we were clear on that. Hopefully, the fog's a little bit better in the club all Ireland. We're really looking forward to it. Some Bridget's v Glen is the big one. Lots of county uh, games are coming thick and fast too. The league starting the week after. Yeah. The, all um, Ireland is that right? Yeah, yeah. The well, Auckland Gales Thomas is, is as big now. You, oh, you yeah. said the big one. So. I heard about that. Come on yeah. now. <laughs> Come on now. That's the twenty first. <laughs> down there. We'll, be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll guess who's in the hot seat that day when we're, we're recording that show. Um, but just quickly on the league before we're coming up to it, do you think it's a tight turnaround following from 
these preseason competitions? Like, are they preseason competitions when the very next week you're in the La League? I think they are. Like, yeah. the way it is, like, that it's so tight that... And I seen Colm O'Rourke was giving out that... Or he was saying that the Sigerson should be moved somewhere else. And Yeah. He's a lot of students. Can, where can you go, like? Yeah. Like, the, it has... Like, this is the preseason. All them boys have been training. They've been playing in-house matches. These preseason competitions will be over soon enough. And you'll have the league, which is, like... It's going to fly around because... That's on 27th of January, like. Yeah. So, and some people say the hurling section that is pre-season competition anyway that nobody really cares about. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's brilliant that it's coming around quick because we've been we've been waiting so long for it to come that it'll be great when it does. 27th of January, Kerry v Derry in Austin Stack yeah. Park. Should you be looking forward to it already? Absolutely. But the club games first. We'll, we're I can't wait for them. It's always my favorite day in the calendar, All Ireland Club final day, and I'll be booking my seats for Croke Park I can't wait for it now in uh, two weeks time it's always great that it's a double header as well that yeah. you know get your money's worth you get your money's worth and you go in you and you see for a game for a long time, even if you only want to see the hurling yeah. which most people probably do like you'll watch the football anyway just because they all aren't final like. yeah no of course it does it, it adds to it and helps fill Croke Park <laughs> a little bit as well because it can be a bit especially in January it's mm. cold and a bit sort of cold you know it doesn't live up nearly till how important it is in yeah. terms of well that, that probably added to it yesterday that they were in di- provincial yeah. grounds like even Semple Stadium was there was a good crowd there yeah four or five or even six sections of the stands were of the stand were full yeah um, watching that one so um, I know I really thought that that, that, that added to it it, it was definitely a, a smart move um, that's all we have time for today you can tell we're going to talk about lots of GAA that's coming up this month alone and for the rest of the year we'll be here every single Monday so remember to like share subscribe and we'll catch you next week Sports Joe presents the GAA Hour